Hello, and welcome to BS with Bethany Simcoe. This is your host, Bethany Simcoe. This is going to be a fun episode. It's releasing on my 21st birthday, which is tomorrow, September 1st. I'm recording this on Thursday, August 31st. So by the time I edit and release this, it'll be my birthday and I will be 21. I don't think I've shut up about my birthday for the past week. So not really a surprise, but still kind of fun. Now, this episode is coming a little bit out of order because last week I recorded an episode about my Newport trip and I've been dragging my feet on editing it just because I feel like I am kind of sick of rehashing the situation. But I will post that episode eventually just because it's recorded. I may as well. I just kind of had to figure out if I wanted to prioritize editing the YouTube video or editing the podcast. So I finished the YouTube video instead, which by the way, I uploaded it like five different times because I kept like miss editing a part of it. So if you saw like the first four times I uploaded it, oops, but she's uploaded now and we're good. But what I love talking about on this podcast is things that I've learned, lessons that have come my way. And I feel like I've had some unique experiences that have given me some fun perspective. And especially this year has been such a huge year of learning. So let's hop right into it. Here are 21 things that I have learned by 21. Number one is what is for me will come to me. And this quote, I will die on this hill. This quote has gotten me through hell and back and then a gold detour around the sun. I will stand by this. What is for me will come to me. I have to remind myself of this often, but honestly, it allows me to like just be calm about what's currently happening because I know the things that are supposed to happen and the things that I'm supposed to experience will naturally come my way. But it's hard for me because I like to go get things. Like I do not like to sit on my ass. I like to make things happen. If I want something, I will make it happen. So I like to kind of say this quote in the sense of if I try my hand at something and it flows, then I know that thing is meant for me. But if I try my hand at something and it just like isn't working or it doesn't happen, cool, on to the next thing that doesn't work for me. Because of this, like I don't have a five-year plan. I don't even have a one-year plan. And that's always how I've operated because I know the universe will lead me to where I need to go and I need to be ready to pivot at any moment. So when I moved to Texas, I was a photographer and a social media manager. I was worried when I moved down here that I wouldn't find clients. And now it really doesn't even matter at all because I do content. Like I do TikTok, I do Instagram, like I do content creation. So I'm like, I, I didn't have to worry about that because what was for me would come to me. And at the beginning of this year, I made all these crazy fitness goals. I listed the amounts I wanted to be able to lift. I was like, we're gonna do this, this, and this. I'm gonna be at the peak of my fitness. But the journey I found myself on this year was much different. I learned to rest. I learned to skip the gym sometimes. I learned to go hang out with my friends instead of letting my need to control my food and exercise take away from creating memories and actually living my life. And right now, my plan is to move to Hawaii and figure out what to do when I get there. I really don't know what I'm going to do when I get there, but I know that what is for me will come to me and I'll be led in the right direction. Number two I've learned that you do not have to be alone to grow. I was definitely in this period of, I don't know, almost self-isolation when I first moved to Texas. And I had to be. Like, I didn't know anybody. And my sister that I had down here, like, we weren't really on speaking terms at the time. So I had to adapt and be completely alone. And there was a time for that. There was a lot of growth in that. And last year was all about focusing on myself and being completely alone. And it led to a lot of self-discovery. I'm not negating that fact. But now I'm finding growth and connections with people and learning to ask for help when I need it and learning that it's okay to be vulnerable and even sometimes really need someone. I've had experiences this year where I've been kind of forced to be vulnerable and forced to rely on people at times and realize that like I cannot just solve all my problems by self-isolating and 
it, it gets too far at one point. And I think there's like sometimes a narrative online as well. It's like, no, isolate yourself. You don't need anybody else. But I think it's really important to have community and allow people in. And I still have to work on this all the time. But I think it's an important lesson to learn. On the flip side, don't yell at me, but I'm going to go right back on what I just said. But I think that these two things can coexist. And it just depends on like the timing. But also, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. You can have these at the same time. Because number three thing that I've learned is that I am the only one who will show up for me over and over again. And not in like an everyone leaves me, so I guess it's just me kind of way. But in a no matter who else or what else is going on, I will show up for myself kind of way. Like I promise to show up for myself. I promise to be there for myself kind of way. I've been told many times I can be intense to be around. Like I have huge dreams. I yearn for understanding. I think about everything a lot. And sometimes I feel like I can be blunt in a way. Like I know that about myself. And sometimes having company that doesn't really understand that can be really lonely. It gives me the sense of being in a room full of people and yet feeling so alone. But no matter who I connect with or who I don't connect with, I find comfort in the knowledge that my understanding and validation of myself will not waver. And I am comfortable in who I am. I have an understanding of who I am and I fully embrace that. I stand in full support of the whimsical dreamer, like passionate girl that I am. And I stand in full support of the emotional, scared, blunt, angry side of me. Because who will be there after every meltdown? I will. Who will be there after every breakup to scoop me up, to hold me? I will. Who will be there after every single success? I will. Who will be on the late nights? Me, early mornings. Me, like I am there for every single second. So I may as well be besties with myself. It may as well be like a fun mind to be in. The fourth thing that I've learned is that productivity does not equal worth. Being hyperproductive is counterproductive. I mean, at least for me, like maybe for you it's different, but like for me, when I get in these states, I feel like I need to optimize every single minute and do everything in the most efficient manner and get so much done. I'm like going and going, like wake up earlier, do more, don't sit down for a second. You should be doing more in this moment, especially like not having work hours and what I do. I think it does get to the point where I am optimizing literally every second of my day and I come away from it feeling like a little machine, feeling like so exhausted and I start to hate my life and I start to retreat into myself. And then one day I crash and I lose days or weeks to just trying to recover from the mental load of all of it. And then I set my worth on being productive and it just like the cycle just continues. And that's not something that I want to bring into this next phase of my life. And this next phase of my life, I'm really trying to focus on kindness. It's just so funny to me. Like when I first started this podcast, and I think it's so important to have habits and it's so important to be able to have good things in your life that I don't know if optimize is the right word, but maybe having like more boundaries around your time or actually being productive when you want to be productive. I would love to focus on that less and just realize how I can better be in the moment. The fifth thing that I've learned is that my body knows what she's doing. I can trust her. This is one that I forget and remember over and over, but I've gotten so much less strict with myself and I have started to trust my body. Like it's a full ecosystem. It knows what it's doing. I can trust it when it says it needs a nap or needs more food or even if I just want to go get ice cream. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, a need. It doesn't have to come into my body being like, please, we need this. It's just, you know, I kind of want some ice cream right now. Like there's nothing morally wrong with that. Like I can trust that. I can have fun with that. Especially coming up to big events, I'm usually so stressed and on a restricted diet so I can look my best. Like I'm just like terrified. 
But especially coming up to this birthday, like I've been so proud of myself. I've continued to eat normally. I've gone out to eat. I've been with my friends. I've had the food that I wanted. I didn't get stressed if I skipped a workout. I've eaten on a normal schedule. And I feel like it's going to help me not have so much anxiety about how I look on the day of because I haven't been placing so much emphasis on that. Now, the sixth thing that I've learned is that I love being loved by myself. I love myself so much. Like, she takes care of me. She takes me to get pedicures. She switches a little back massager to wherever it hurts in that little massage chair. She knows all my favorite scents. She puts lotion on me every night. She challenges me with love at the gym. She makes enough money to support me. She helps me calm down when I'm scared. Like, again, it's kind of that thing, like, I will show up for myself every single time. But it's almost like I just, I really love being loved by myself. That person who loves me is me. And like she knows me so intimately and she challenges me to figure out how to heal my mind and wants what's best for me. And I just, I think that's so beautiful and so fun because I kind of romanticize people for loving me. You know, I'm like, wow, they gave me a back massage or they brought me water in the morning or they, you know, made me some food. But how often do I do that for myself? How often do I go get myself fun little drinks? How often do I pick out my favorite outfit for myself or, you know, tuck myself into bed or curl up with like a good movie? Like how often do I do that for myself? And I love being able to look at that and appreciate that because no one else knows how to love me as well as I do. Who lays with me when I'm sick? I do. I tell myself to rest. She cheers with me when I've had a good day at the gym or tells me to breathe when my back hurts. Like all these little intimate things. And I think like she protects me. I protect myself. You know, she knows that I'm afraid to get married to someone who doesn't take on their fair share of the household and family work. And she'll make sure I don't end up there. And she has amazing taste and is confident and helps me be confident in the things that I love. Like, I don't know. It's just like such a beautiful relationship that I'm so excited to work on more. The seventh thing that I've learned is that I can handle myself on solo trips, but I don't want to anymore. I love having someone by my side to share memories with and to have experiences with. And not even just like a romantic way, like in a, even in a friendship way. I love having someone to share things with. And I love to just, I don't know, have little moments with someone. I know it's kind of ironic that I'm going to Hawaii by myself. But I've, I've got my whole life to go on trips with my partner. And I think it's it's okay to honor that and realize that like, yes, I want to be going on trips and doing things with a partner or with a friend or have someone to share it with. But it is nice to know that I can handle myself when I need to. And there's no use in waiting around until I have my person. And my person can be multiple people, like friends. I think it's exciting to think about that in the future and still trust myself and realize that I can handle myself until then. The eighth thing that I've learned is that the wrong relationship will make you feel like the chronic problem. Once I'm in a relationship and I feel like I am the problem and like if I could just change, then everything would be fine. Then that relationship is no longer serving me. Like I'm great at adapting and learning and compromising in a relationship, but sometimes I notice myself like wrapping myself around them, like adjusting and compromising so much that I am wrapping around their needs and their wants just to keep the peace. And I'll get into this place of like, if I could just be more feminine, if I could just be less anxious, if I could just like be more of this or less of this, if I could just change this part of who I am. And I don't realize in the moment that I'm like, oh, if I could just change this part of who I am. But it really comes down to that. Like, man, I'm the anxious one in the relationship or I'm, I'm too loud or I'm too much. Like once I feel like there is a character flaw within myself that if I could just get rid of and everything would work, 
then that's that's not the right relationship for me. That's not going to work and that's no longer serving me because it places me on the side that needs to change. And it's like, oh, this person's really good, but if I could just like measure up to them, if I could just keep up, and there's nothing inherently wrong with me. So that's a sign that maybe this relationship just isn't suited for who I am. And going along with that, the ninth thing I've learned is that I am the right amount of feminine. Something I really struggled with is the feeling that I am too masculine. Like I'm a go-getter, I'm loud, I like to lead, I like to get things done, I like to just like see how far I can go. And I'm powerful, like I know that. And there have been people in my life that have made that seem like a character flaw. Like I'm not in my like quote unquote correct feminine energy, like whatever the hell that means. You know, like you've all seen it, we've all seen it. Like oh, you're defined feminine, like you need to lean into your feminine more. And like that just, I don't know, it's just so hard. That doesn't really sit well with me. And that kind of rhetoric has been weaponized by people in my life who've been like, oh, do you see this person? They said this, like, you should be in your divine feminine. Like, you're being too much. You're not letting me lead. Like, especially from like a male counterpoint, they just take that and they fucking run with it. And they make it seem like I'll never find happiness because I'm not settling down and I'm not being calm like a woman should want to be. I literally just had this conversation with my dad. Like, he thinks that I am crazy for wanting to move to Hawaii because I'll be all alone chasing who knows what. And he thought that I should move to Utah for Utah boy. Because that's what life should be about, like those relationships. I mean, yes, life is great with relationships. And I think that's a very important part about life. But I shouldn't have to sacrifice who I am or feel like I'm, you know, have to dim a certain part of me. My dad thought that like someone had to cave and it should have been me so that Utah boy could have his career and provide and I could like settle down. And he pointed out my brother as an example. So my brother is in medical school. He just moved to Dallas. He has a wife and a child. And to my dad, like, that seems like real happiness. And to my brother, that is real happiness. My brother loves his life, and I love that for him. And I think that everybody has their own journey and their own definition of it. And, you know, someday I do want a family. But right now, for me, that is not my journey, and that is not my path. Right now, his wife gets to stay home and tend to the baby, and he gets to come home every night to a stable family. And he loves that. And I love that for him. But right now, that is not for me. Maybe it will be one day, but I want to explore right now. I want to live. I want to see what I can do. Clocklet Boy specifically was one that I, you know, had this whole conversation with. I went back and forth. And I remember like being on the phone with my mom, being on the phone with my dad and being like, am I not letting him lead enough? Am I trying to take over? Am I too masculine? What are the roles here? How is this supposed to work? Like I genuinely thought there was something wrong with me and I could just not get the hang of it. He used to tell me all the time how masculine I was and how I'd never find a man who would put up with it, and how a good woman would sit back and support the man. And oh my God, I wanted to punch him in the head. And I probably should have, honestly, but it's okay. It does not have to be understood by everyone, but it shouldn't be diminished. So I am the perfect blend of masculine and feminine. I do love to nurture. I like to cook for people who appreciate me. I like to cook for me, okay? I do like to clean. I love to make spaces beautiful, but I hate it when it's expected of me. And like, I hate when I am made to feel like I am not nurturing enough. Like one thing Clockwood Boy would tell me, he's like, I feel like you just like don't love me or nurture me enough. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? And it made me feel like, oh, am I not gonna be, you know, a good mother? Am I maybe too mean? I don't know. Like there was just so many questions about myself. But I am not broken or missing out on some strange sort of like, quote unquote, divine femininity or inherent energy that I must have missed in tapping into. Like I am made with the perfect blend of masculine and feminine for me, for my partner, for my life. Like this is how I'm meant to be and there's nothing broken with me and I'm not missing out on anything.
And I think it's important to note that when I was with Utah Boy, that was not the case at all. Like, I didn't feel too masculine in the slightest. I felt completely taken care of. I loved letting him lead. And I knew that he knew I could handle myself. I felt like a team. I didn't feel like he was trying to force anything. I didn't feel like he was trying to take anything from me. I I knew that my power was there and we were able to step up with each other again as a team rather than like I lead and you sit back. I'm powerful. You're small. So it just really showed me that I am exactly the amount that I need to be and I can be treated well. And I do love princess treatment. I do love all that stuff and I don't have to diminish myself in any sense to have the kind of treatment that I deserve. The 10th thing that I've learned is that my body is the least interesting part about me. Since I practice less body checking and less restricting, I really started to notice my body less. And it's not perfect. It's not foolproof, but it's helped. And when I'm meeting new people or having conversations or taking photos, it helps to have that in my mind because it allows for quote unquote mistakes. Like it allows for things to not turn out exactly as pictured or for me to not look what I consider to be my best because that's only a fraction of the equation when it used to be the whole equation. So I'm fantastic either way. And at the end of my life, I'm going to wish that I cared less about what my body looked like and more about what it felt like to be in it. The 11th thing that I have learned is to run anyways. Before I moved to Texas, I read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? And if you haven't read that, it's a short little book, but it's so good. Such a game changer. And there's so many good analogies in there and like little one-liners. But my favorite is just run anyways. In the notes I took on the book, I wrote out so many fears about Texas. What if I can't pay my rent? What if I can't find clients? What if something bad happens? What if I'm far away from everyone I know and like a disaster? Like what if? I was straight terrified. But the flip side of that was staying in Utah. The cheese was old. Okay, that cheese, done, gross. Staying in Utah was not an option. Okay, I'd use that up. All it was and that cheese was moldy. It was time for me to move on. So even though I was terrified, I ran anyways. Just run anyways. Run with a smile. Let it nourish your soul. Let go and trust what lays ahead because what? What is for you will come to you. Whoa, crazy how that worked back in. So when you stop being afraid, it actually starts to feel good. And how fun is it to go for it? Like, that's so cool. So the thing I had to do was like imagine myself enjoying this new cheese, enjoying this new experience. And chances are you'll find new cheese you never knew existed. I love me a good cheese analogy because truly I came down there in one career and now I'm in a completely different one. I found stuff that I didn't even know was possible. I learned the importance of laughing at myself with my boundaries in mind. It's nice not to take yourself so seriously and be lighthearted about mess ups. And sometimes you laugh about mishaps with someone next to you. Super fun, super lighthearted, whatever. And being able to take a joke and not let your ego take it personally is huge. However, keep your boundaries in mind so you can pinpoint when it goes from a harmless joke to a character nag. And I've done an episode about this is like, when those people in your life like have a little character nag on you or like a little character flaw they like to poke fun at specifically or when it, it becomes like you're the butt of the joke all the time, that's when you need to learn to move on. But I still think it is important to be able to, you know, be lighthearted and have a good time and laugh at yourself when you make mistakes. Again, with your boundaries in mind. The 13th thing that I've learned is that if you don't learn how to describe who you are, you let others describe you. And I'm discovering for me that my negative self-talk is wrapped up in other people's voices. To me, it sounds like, wow, she's really letting herself go. Or she's literally so annoying. Or like she's trying so hard. It's embarrassing. And then those thoughts are thought and my mind hears them. But it's literally just me assuming those things about myself. Like I hear them, but it's 
actually just me saying those things. So the truth is, I will always be mid in someone's eyes. You will always be mid in someone's eyes. Like you cannot win. No matter how hard I try or how good I look or how successful I am or how much I take social cues, I will always be mid or a try hard or broke or annoying to someone somewhere. So why the hell try? Someone's going to have a bad opinion. Someone's going to think the thoughts that they want to think no matter what. So why do I have to project those thoughts onto myself? Like, why do I have to accept those thoughts? Like someone else is going to think them. I don't have to take on that burden. I can think whatever the hell I want because just as much as someone's going to think that I'm a try card and a loser, someone else is going to think like, wow, she is so cool. So, you know, cherry pick those thoughts. Think the good ones. It's you on that, you know? So like why contort your life to be something that you think will get you acceptance if there's always going to be that one person who has a chip on their shoulder? I even notice this myself. I'm going to call myself out. I was called loud and annoying as a kid. So when I see people out in public being loud and annoying, I judge them in my mind as a way to make myself feel better. I'm like, wow, I, I would never do that. Like those people are, no, like it literally is just me judging them. It's not about them. It's about me and the way that I was made to feel. Especially on social media, though, it's so freeing to realize that and it allows me to just act who I want to. And I think about it with that Reddit page, those people who were tearing me apart for having low standards, they've probably been burned at one point in their life and they probably didn't walk away from a situation as soon as they should have. Or they were probably like torn down for having low standards. And so by tearing me down, they're like, wow, I would never do that. Look at this person. They're so crazy. I've learned I'm better than that. And when people say like, oh, their criticism is just a reflection of themselves. I never really understood that until I noticed it in myself. And I'm like, is that person really being loud and annoying in public? Or do I wish I could act like that? And I was just told that that's unacceptable and annoying. So I have to go tell somebody else they're annoying. But learning to describe myself and define myself allows me to fall back on that and point out untruths when I see them. The 14th thing that I've learned is that there will be ebbs and flows. I did a whole ass podcast episode on this and I stand by it. The only guarantee in life is that things will suck and then they will get better and then they will suck and then they'll get better and then they'll suck. And like it just the more you can hold on to your own steady line of happiness, the less those ebbs and flows will sway you, whether it's your job friends, family, love life. There will be good times and there will be bad times. Again, my career on social media, there are gonna be times when my views are insane. And there's gonna be times where it's like literally a thousand. Honestly, those times I kind of like though because it's just like me and the girlies. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's me the whole time, but sometimes the content is gonna do well and sometimes it won't. And being able to not place emphasis or emotion on that has helped so much and it's hard like it definitely takes practice and I have to remind myself a lot but knowing that there will be good times and knowing there will be bad times helps me be okay through all of it because I already know they're coming so I don't place my self-worth on the ebb or the flow the 15th thing that I've learned is that I have learned how little failure actually affects you long term the more I try things the more I get scared because I'm afraid it'll fail again and I'll get the reputation as the girl who can't seem to get something off the ground in my life, I started a strange amount of businesses. I had a jewelry brand. I had a clothing brand. I taught piano. I was a photographer. I had a social media agency. And one by one, those things flared up and they flared out. I put my all into each of those things. Like for all of those, I was convinced that that was my calling. Like I distinctly remember having this feeling like with the social media agency, I was like, I literally know that I am supposed to like teach people how to manage social media and then like bring them onto my team and have this social media agency and then like run it remotely. And I was like, this is going to be like a whole business plan. I had it all scaled in my mind and I was like having this big old grand future for it. And then it just 
fizzled out. And to this day, I'm like, why the hell did I start that? Like, why did I do that? Why did I feel called to do that? And it's so strange. And I'm like, can I even like trust these instincts anymore? Or can I even trust? Like I had grand plans for all of them, but then I had to learn to let them go. I had to learn that those maybe just led me to the path that I'm on now, because truly each one of those things has built upon itself. And I've learned so much from each and every one of those that I'm now on to bigger and better things. And who knows? Maybe I'll have to let this fail, like the podcast or content creation or like whatever else I'm doing right now. Like maybe I'll have to let it fail so I can let go and move on to whatever else is next. Because have those things held me back in the slightest? No, I let them go and I focus my energy on new things and I've learned so much in the process. And even though it's scary every step of the way, my path will change a million times. Like people say like, oh my gosh, you're accident prone. I don't know, like my family, especially, they think I'm very accident prone or like, the craziest things ever happen to me. But honestly, when you live life as loud as I want to or as big as I do, you're bound to look stupid every once in a while. If you want like a big, beautiful life, you're gonna look stupid. Statistically, it's bound to happen. And that's okay. That's part of the beauty of it. The 16th thing that I've learned is I have what I've attracted. The person I am today is a direct result of the choices I've made. And we can talk all day about the energy we want to attract or the person we want to be or what we're manifesting. But I think the best place to start is by taking a realistic look at who I am today, at who you are today. How do I feel on a daily basis? How do I respond to things? Who's in my life? What does my daily life look like? Because that is a direct result of the habits you have formed. And I think about this with my eating disorder and the way that I am recovering from that. And having those same restrictive patterns have gotten me to where I am today. It's gotten me to a point of being afraid of food or it's gotten me to a point of not having energy. So if I want to change the result, I have to change the pattern. If I want to feel better about myself and if I want to have long-term lasting health rather than a quick fix, then I have to act accordingly. Again, it's a direct result of the habits I formed, the decisions I've made and what I've attracted. Then from there, I can decide what stays and what goes. And also be proud of myself because I've attracted all of this. Like if you look around at your life and you're like, man, like, do I really deserve this? Yeah, because it is a direct result of your decisions. You have attracted this. You have built this. The 17th thing that I've learned is one of my favorites. Powerful is the woman who does not care. I wrote, again, a blog post on this a while back, but it's a reminder to me to let it go. It is not just permission, but a challenge to acknowledge the issue and then move on from it. No unnecessary stress, no overthinking, no trying to solve something that I have no control over. And that brings on a sense of power because I definitely find myself trying to control things that I can't control. And I try to play guessing games and what if games. And I drive myself in circles and I drive myself crazy trying to predict the outcome or trying to think of every scenario or trying to control or being like, well, did I, did I make them mad? Did I hurt them? Letting go of that is so powerful. Telling yourself, actually, you know what? I don't care. I don't give a shit. I don't care. They can feel how they want to feel. They can react how they want to react. This thing can happen how it's going to happen. I don't care. And every time I read that, I'm reminded of my place and that worrying about minor details is not a part of my plan. I do not care what's done is done. It is what it is. And again, it helps me let go of that false sense of control. Because whatever it is, whatever comes, I can deal with it, but I don't care. If it happens, it happens. I'll deal with it when I get there. And to me, the phrase, I don't care, means letting go of the past and moving forward with what is in my circle of control. It redirects my focus on what I can do and what I actually need to worry about. For me, it's my nature to agonize over a single text or a passing glance or an angry word. Like if someone's mad at me, I literally like agonize over it. 
But clinging to that issue until it's solved doesn't work. That's what I try to do. I hammer at it and I cling to that issue until it's solved when I have no business solving that. I have no control over it. And all I'm going to do is worry myself sick. There lies a weakness. All that energy spent is energy I don't get to use moving myself forward. The 18th thing that I've learned is that age means nothing in terms of what you can accomplish, but it means a whole lot in terms of what creepy old man is talking to you. So when it comes to believing in yourself at a young age, go at it with like this childlike wonder and believe in yourself so relentlessly and don't let someone discourage you because of a number. But when it comes to that man telling you you're so mature for your age, run. Okay, one word, run. That was me when I was younger. And honestly, even now, like, man, call it daddy issues, whatever you want to call it. But it's so dangerous because I've always felt a little bit misunderstood. I've always felt way too old for my body. I've always just, I felt older than I am. So having someone older look at me and validate those feelings, it feels like we connected, right? It feels like he understood me. So when I was like 16, 17, going out with 23 year olds, I thought I was so mature. But now being 21, thinking about a 16 or a 17 year old, I'm like, that is a child. And these men knew how old I was. And so I'm like, holy cow, how could they in their right minds go out with someone? Like that is a child. Even now, I'm literally still a child. So thinking about that makes my skin crawl because those men knew what they were doing. They continue to know what they're doing. And it's so sad that they prey on someone feeling different or disconnected or, you know, too mature for their age. Being told that and being validated by that, it's scary because that's so wrong. And they knew that. And they knew I didn't know that. So embrace your maturity, but do not let it define or isolate you. It can get dangerous. And unfortunately, it often does. Even though you're so capable of so many things at a young age, it doesn't mean that that older guy gets you, you know? The 19th thing that I've learned is that done is better than perfect. My dad used to love the saying, like, good, better, best. Even if what we were doing was good, we should always be searching for something better and ultimately discard that because we know better than to not be doing the best thing. And when I tell you that I was screwed with my head, even if what I'm doing is good, that's still the lowest item on the totem. Like, good is at the bottom. That's not even not even matching the expectation in the slightest. I've got two more rings to climb before I can even be sort of satisfied. And then screw being proud of myself because best is just the expectation. So I'm just doing the bare minimum at that point. Like best is just doing my duty. There's nothing to be proud of. Do you see how there's no winning in that cycle? It's set up for burnout and failure. So unlearning that good, better, best mindset. Like for example, church was such a big deal in my household. So on Sunday, you know, we should be keeping the Sabbath day holy. So maybe a good thing to do is like take a nap. But that's like, that's good. So it's honestly like the worst thing you could be doing, you know, in that sense. And better would be to maybe go talk to a sibling or like study the scriptures or something. And then the best thing you could be doing is like out serving or out preaching the gospel. So even on a Sunday where it's a day of relaxation, like heaven forbid you relax, you should be out doing the best thing and always pushing your limits even on that day of rest. So it's just so counterintuitive and it, there's no winning at that game because even if you're best, who's to say there's not better than best? And it just, it's set up for failure. You know, and having to unlearn that has been painful. It makes me hesitant to even start things sometimes or to even do things because I know that it's not going to be perfect. And I get stuck in this perfect paralysis where it's like, why even bother doing something if it's not going to be 
the best. I get stuck in this with like food. Like what is the best thing for me to be eating right now? Or what's the best use of my time right now? Am I being perfectly productive? And I, I genuinely get stuck in this place of perfection and then nothing gets done. So the phrase done is better than perfect has been incredible for me. I'd rather get something done and have it be half-assed than absolutely get nothing done. Like if I'm putting away clothes, I'd rather put away like three items and then leave the other 10 than have 13 completely not put away items. It's better to have started the project and to maybe suck at it than not even try it at all. And that phrase, it's like, why even do something? I don't know what the phrase is exactly. It's something to the effect of if it's something worth doing, it's something worth doing perfectly. Or I don't know exactly what that is, but screw that because if there's something worth doing, it's something worth sucking at. Like it's something worth at least trying and failing at because done is better than perfect. I would much rather have a project, again, done than perfect because perfect's not going to happen. Have you ever heard of that study where a professor was like, you 50 students, I want you to take 100 pictures throughout this photography course and then turn those all in. And those other half of the students are going to take the perfect picture. And they're just going to hesitate. They're going to be scared. The people who are trying to be perfect, they're never going to get a good picture. And then they're not going to learn. And I've had to learn that too. If I keep trying to be perfect, then I'm just going to keep waiting for that perfect moment, the perfect moment, the perfect moment. It's never going to exist. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be the best. And all I'm going to do is hesitate and wait. So I'd rather have it done than perfect. I'd rather start than be the best at it. So with that, it comes with a learning of rest as well. And I've learned that I like to take naps and there's nothing morally wrong with resting. Sometimes I just love not even being good, better, or best. I just love laying there. And that's okay. The 20th thing that I've learned is to take what serves you and leave the rest. In every relationship, situation, or event, there's something. There's some goodness there. Like, no matter how shitty it was, there's something you learned or something you can take from it. Something will leave a mark on you. From my dad, I learned work ethic. From my mom, I learned validation. Like, she's very good at giving emotional validation. From Clocklet Boy, I learned more about the way that I like to learn. Like, I saw the way that he would just relentlessly learn about things. And honestly, it's what attracted me to him. And just, like, having those intellectual conversations or learning more. Like, we learned things together. And I loved that. And I learned more about the way that I like to learn. So even though it's a shitty situation as a whole, there were some really good things that I can take from that and move on with. And from Utah Boy, I learned kindness to myself. He helped me slow down. He helped me be proud of myself. He helped me just take it slow and be kind to myself. And there was a friend that I used to have, and we no longer speak, but from her, I learned a lot about the vision that I have for my life and how fun it is to be a girl who has a vision for her life and to lean into that. Every situation shapes me and leaves a little color on me for the road. So it's kind of fun. Even though things don't always go our way, like there's always something that shapes us we can move forward with. And the very last thing, the 21st thing that I have learned by 21 is that I know everything I'm supposed to know and I will be okay. Sometimes I really do feel like a child. Like when people important to me just leave me hanging, you know, like that girl that I just spoke about when we were friends and then we weren't. And it makes me feel like I'm seven again. Like, hey, you can't just leave that easily. You can't just leave me hanging. You can't just walk out. Like I feel like a seven-year-old on the playground alone, you know? Or when I have to deal with adult problems, like getting my own health insurance, I feel scared. I feel abandoned and I wish that I had someone holding my hand through this and it leaves me feeling like a child. Or when I've had a long day and I come home to an empty apartment, I feel like I'm 15 in this big fancy place and I have no idea how I got here and I just wish I had someone to talk to about it. Or when I'm anxious and I feel like I'm back in high school crying in the bathroom stalls during lunch. I just 
feel like a child sometimes. And that scares me. I'm like, shouldn't I know more by now? Shouldn't I have this figured out by now? But people always say that they thought they'd have it more figured out by now. Like no matter how old they are, I feel like they always say like, wow, I thought that I would know more by now. And I think that's a universal experience. So I've learned how little I know and that that's okay. I know everything that I need to know. And it really is only a fraction of all the knowledge in the world. But for now, I know what I need to know. And there's still so much to learn. All these lessons compile. And yet I still have the sense that I have no idea what I'm doing, but I keep relearning and unlearning things every day. And I still have so much to learn and I cannot wait to keep learning. So here is to a new chapter. Here's to 21. Here's to finally throwing away my little fake ID. That always makes me giggle a little, but it really has been a great 21 years. It's been a roller coaster, but I have a good feeling about this one. You know, I really should have labeled that last one like I bullshit everything or something about bullshit because it really is like all these lessons that I've learned in all my life. Like I just am bullshitting it. So I guess the 21st thing that I've learned is that I love to bullshit and I will continue to bullshit and everything is just a whole bunch of bullshit. But I know everything I'm supposed to know for now and I will be okay. What is for me will come to me. I just, I really am going into this with peace. I feel like I've been forced into this place of huge transformation right now. Like I'm losing friends. I'm losing relationships. I feel like there's so much clutter in my life that I'm being forced to purge. And I think the move to Hawaii is going to be so refreshing because I genuinely will have to only pack the things that I truly care about and be able to live with just me and my thoughts and make genuine connections. So I'm really excited to see where I go and what I keep learning because it's never what I expect, but it's always exactly what I need. So thank you for joining me on my 21st birthday. It means a lot to have all of you guys here. And this has been BS with Bethany Simcoe. I will see you when I see you.